I believe every business owner has a story to tell. Through seeking true, authentic insights about the entrepreneurial journey, I provide a platform for our peers to share their stories and inspire those that listen. This is the County Business Talks podcast, powered by Picture Book Films. I backed myself. I believed in myself. I believed in myself, and I backed myself. Even I was listening to somebody talk about Graham Potter managing Brighton, and the day we beat Man United 4-0, that was one of the greatest days of my life. I'd, I'd never seen Brighton play like that. It was like, it was like watching Barcelona wear our guys' shirts, and you know, it was like watching Barcelona play Man United. And it was the confidence. I couldn't believe the little back passes and. You know, when you've got Ronaldo in front of you and, you you know, you know, you've know, you got, uh, you know, Webster just backheeling it, you know, across, you know. And, and you just think, that confidence, unbelievable. And, and somebody said, well, that's Graham Potter. He, he, his, his mentality is back yourself, believe in yourself. Resilience and entrepreneurs. Because I think having good ideas is one thing, you know. Being able to execute those ideas is another thing. And then being able to stick with those ideas when it's not going your way. And anybody you speak to, whether they're a billionaire or... no, Nobody's path is easy. We've always kept it fun within, within Electric. You know, we've always kept it... Um, you know, I think if, you, if people are enjoying it and they feel part of something, you know, you keep it moving forward. Um, and I still believe in that, you know, without, without any pressure. Success is taking one of those goals that you've set and seeing it come to fruition. And sometimes that might be with some of your key people, you know. And it was a, it was a conscious decision for Electric to be a brand and not a person. It's important to have dreams, it's important to have goals, and it's important to have the energy and the desire to try your best to make those happen and nobody ever makes everything happen all the top entrepreneurs have all failed a few times as well we've got that unique story and 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 we are working with some of the best hairdressers in the world who genuinely believe in it and that means a lot to me so that'll help me build the farm i believe i believe in training the next generation of hairdressers and I believe in trying to do things a bit differently. So we will grow electric space. We will grow the, the, the freelancer element. And we will teach that entrepreneurial shit. But we'll never turn our back on traditional salons and, and building people's careers. It's not all been plain sailing for me. I had a very bad time in the late 80s. I'd set my own business up then. It wasn't my marketing. I'd set a business doing promotional clothing. And it was ticking along nicely, about three years in, and then in 88, interest rates hit 18%. And it wiped me out. Absolutely wiped me out. Lost my money, had young children, really tough time. And I said to my wife, I will be back. We will be back within three years. And I did. I met that target. Turnover is vanity and profit is sanity. I was chasing turnover, and I wasn't making enough profit. So, yeah, it was a really tough time. We had to downsize everything. It's looking for opportunities. It's, it's reacting to them, being proactive rather than reactive. Because while somebody's thinking it through, I've done it. That's the thing about sales. You should never give up. And to me, that was a great example. And I use it still to this day. That one last call, if I hadn't have done it, 
I wouldn't have won that climb. Do you know what? There's never a right time to do it. You, there is always a reason not to do something. So if you let that reason be your decision-making factor, then you're not actually ever going to do anything. Absolutely, kind of, I'm a product of looking at the experience I had as a child. Um, and I think the biggest thing that shaped me is actually I lost my mum at a very young age. I was only seven when she died. And that obviously a huge impact at the time, huge impact growing up. Giving him those experiences and those life memories for me is that's my having it all. And I could work 12 hours a day and drive a Bentley or whatever, you know, that that's not my having it all. If that's what, what you want to do, if anyone else wants to do that, all power to them. Just find what motivates you, what is your identifier, identifier as having it all, and then work to that. The expectation was exactly like our parents did. I was very fortunate. My mum, before she died, she did work. She worked at the BBC. She was a bit of a maverick. Maybe that's where I get it from. Um, but when she had the children, it was expected that she stopped working. And she volunteered for Meals on Wheels. And it was that was really kind of the expectation coming through. And I just thought, nah, that's not for me. I want to work in the music industry and I just want to go and just do my own thing. And we have this, still have this real perception that private school clever equals better than maybe someone who, if they were learn business skills or, or mortgages and credit cards and life skills or policies, you might have, find someone who's like the greatest politician on planet Earth that went to an academy school that was academised because it was failing, but they haven't had that opportunity. And it's about levelling off and changing the perception of those opportunities. Do you know what, actually, it was Sir Clive Woodward that put it absolutely best. There is absolutely nothing, no difference between sport and business. Because at the end of the day, it's just getting the best out of people. There's been quite a few drip-fed issues of equality throughout my journey, I guess. So um, when my marriage broke down in 2008, I went back to university, did a degree in event management, decided that I wanted to work in the events industry and gleefully applied for jobs in London thinking I would just walk into this amazing events job and that would be the start of my new career and at least three different places turned me down and were quite clear that it was because I was a single mum. But for a woman going into it, um, I need it to change. I need it to change and it's my problem. shouldn't be, but that's the way it feels it is. Um, so, you know, so that's that. we've got to talk reality uh, especially in football, I find you <laughs> taught reality, and uh, it still is. You know, the, the world is still uh, essentially sexist, and there's still a lot of change to be made. And I tell you what, though, if we can do it in football, we can do it anywhere. I just knew that it was something that I really, really had to do. Like, I didn't see any other option at that time. I still don't. I still think the mission is really important. I still think that women need representation. And I just felt that I don't know what I'm doing, but the only way that I will get to know what I'm doing is just to keep on this path. And it took an awful lot of resilience. Um, and it was, it was difficult. And I don't know if you remember a few years ago, there was a very big company and their manifesto was leaked on how women should and shouldn't behave. And it was wear heels a certain length, talk at, talk at a lower tone of voice, don't laugh too high-pitched. And it was, it was one of the big global companies. Um, and, you know, I was just 
it is trying to get that mission out there that it's okay to have joy and joy is concomitant with health it's so important the more that i campaign for women's football and for women to be footballers for girls to be playing and learning those lessons of leadership and resilience you know even what you're talking about that that goes so smoothly into the world of business you know making decisions focusing teamwork all the stuff they learn on the pitch doing it in public so you're not self-conscious all the time do you know what i mean so important for girls and women. Men have had access to this for years. The more we break down one set of stereotypes on one side, the more we allow the other side to just be who they are. We get all little boys at Lewis FC Women's Matches seeing these women as great role models and meaning they don't have to do it if they don't want to do it. Do you know what I mean? And we get the girls at the men's matches that can see that you can go either way. You can be whatever gender you are and follow your own path. This is what we're trying to say, be yourself. But really what has always been my primary goal from, from day one is just to look after people. And actually if you look after people, you treat them with respect, then they'll do business with you and they'll look after you in return. But then it, it progressed into criminal activity and it nearly sunk the business to be honest. I came back from, from honeymoon in, in 2013. I'd, I'd never taken three weeks off since so the business had been going for six years. And so I took three weeks off because I thought, well, I've got got you know, Emma running the office, I've got my business partner, um, and it'll be fine. And something wasn't right when I came back, and uh, gradually this, this kind of, this whole web of yeah, deceit and fraud started coming to the surface, um, and yeah, it was, it was quite, and it overflowed into our personal lives because we were friends outside of work, and yeah, so it was a pretty um, explosive period, but again, you know, looking back, it's all, it's all a learning point. There's always a learning point. You know, even if we've done everything we could, there's always something we can take from it and think, well, if we did that right at the start, maybe this wouldn't have happened. So I'm always looking at ways to, to learn from any little ripple or little negative that happens to see how we can future-proof things a bit better. I'm a minority here in a, you know, for age and for orientation, but I fit in still. And actually, I'm, I'm interesting because of it. You know, <laughs> they're all the same. And I think a lot of people, whether it's a, a disability or... Uh, being an ethnic minority or something that make, that sets you apart being able to use that as your superpower in business is an incredibly important thing to realise and the first thing she said was I wasn't sure if I should do this because it's not legal to be gay in my country and I suddenly just realised we're so lucky because when you see someone who's thinking I don't know for my own personal safety if I should be appearing on this online forum because it's still illegal for me to be who I am in my country. And, you know, we're in a recording studio today, you know, she spends her life in those places do, doing things. And just to have that always hanging over you, that actually the, you know, the, the state, the government of the country doesn't, doesn't provide protection for you or even acknowledge your existence. So, yeah, that shows you that whether we're in a little bubble here that we all feel safe and happy, there, there's always a fight going on for equality quite unhealthy to the culture of, of business if people start thinking that's what you've that's the only way you're going to be successful is if you're working 16 hour days and you're you know absorbing all these things because that's not compatible with family life for most people it's not compatible with just a, a healthy work-life balance and yeah I'm, you know we all go through periods of of, of graft and um, but I think consistency is far more important because you I mean, if you can survive on four hours or five hours sleep and do all those things, then, then great. But 
I think being consistent and the only thing I chase is happiness. So success for me just is, is me being happy, the people around me being happy and the people in the business being happy. So I'm going to drop the bomb early here. Um, and uh, so it's not, not something I've um, told everyone yet, but I had a, a recent uh, diagnosis of ADHD, well, a, part, a form of ADHD called ADD, more the attention deficit disorder side rather than the, with the H, the hyperactivity, their mindset. So, uh, yeah, just little things in life made me realise, well, if you sort of set a goal for something and uh, you're open to opportunities that know exactly how you're going to get there, or even if you're best uh, qualified to achieve that goal, um, that positive mindset and um, visualisation um, uh, is, is, is so helpful. In terms of uh, environmental sustainability, social sustainability, because uh, yeah, without people feeling empowered to do things better for the environment, then it, yeah, it's all, all, all together. Um, that's really important to me, how that makes me feel. Um, it all talks of different emotions. There's yes, some, some anger there, there as well, of, uh, and, and also sadness with the, the, the so many uh, species um, that, that, that we've lost. Um, but the positive side of we are now uh, as uh, businesses, um, individuals, actually in a time in history where we are aware of, of what's happened, but we can do something uh, about it. And I think that's really, really exciting. When these people start talking to each other, incredible things um, can happen. You get that collaboration um, and just the, the, everything we're ultimately all, all connected uh, part of this uh, one system um, on, on planet earth so let's embrace it and make the most of it my story actually stems from overseas um, I was adopted uh, when I was well, in 1990 um, by two English parents from Romania so uh, yeah spent spent the, spent the first years of my life uh, in an orphanage. The journey through my life versus the journey through business, they're very, very different. Very different types of things that I've had to, to navigate. I then went back to the orphanage, which I talked to you about, when I was 14, 15 years old, which, for me, resurfaced things that I didn't necessarily know were there, but then they came back so I then started getting angry towards that but I didn't know that I was being angry towards it I was just being just like spurts of anger and then it got to a point when I was about 17 years old um, when I when I got arrested um, yeah that's when my parents knew that there was something wrong there was something wrong there wasn't something right that was going on in, in my life but yeah, just got to a point where I had that conversation with my parents. I was like, look, guys, I'm not wanting to be here on a permanent residency. I don't want to be here because I'm going to end up dead. My life was falling apart. I was doing shit I shouldn't be doing. And I wish I'd just spent a bit more time just to sort of sit back and say, look, this is what happened. But then I got to a point where... 
um, yeah, February 2020, I overdosed. There's one thing that I really realised and why I'm here today is because I asked myself that question. You've got two options here. You can either let this shit consume you, you might as well just, just do it, or you can use everything negative in your life as fuel for positivity and change. And I took that route, and that's why I'm still here today. We worked a lot with businesses who maybe did just have an idea, but it was how they articulated that idea. And, you know, why had they actually, why were they starting this business? Why did they want to? And, and more like sort of what you're doing, businesses that actually have a story to tell about why they have started that business was always quite intriguing. So when this opportunity came along, a lot of my colleagues thought I was mad because it was a completely different thing going to work in this tiny little team. There was only seven of us, I think, when I joined. And then, yeah, just... I mean, you asked me what, what we were looking for in those those people that we worked with. But also, from my perspective, I I know I learned so much about myself. Um, really pushing myself out of my comfort zone massively. And the one we held down here, we held it at the cricket club. And um, Panina was actually our guest speaker there, Panina Shepherd. And I'll never forget one the one thing that Panina said. And she, one of her first slides that she put up was the word fear. Um, and she said that everything that you have ever wanted is on the other side of fear. The one thing that we really created in, in the hubs was a real sense of community. It's definitely that sense of if you'd actually work together, you can, you can actually um, reach more people as well and have a bigger impact in that way. So, yeah, I'm very much, I think I always have been, I'm, I'm very much all about collaboration and where I can orchestrate collaborations or partnerships than I do um, because yeah I, I believe in it always has a positive outcome. It was a really hard time actually for me back in South Africa and a lot of people here um, and I've only realized since I've come back and even talking to you that people were actually quite sad that I left which I didn't even think of it back that I just thought oh, I'm going off to do this thing now and I'm going to be you know, everything's going to work out and I'm going to be accepted back there. And it wasn't. I, I went through some very, very dark times when I was back there because I was, my money was running out. I wasn't working. South Africa, as I say, has no support system in terms of benefits or anything. It wouldn't have enabled me to, to appreciate a lot more of what I actually have here. I'm so appreciative of what I have in the UK because I saw a very different side of life in South Africa and how people struggle there. And I'm very grateful for my life here. So it's 30 years this year since I was since I was in a fire. And I think from the 30 years beyond that point, I was just running to into life like head on to kind of almost make up for the stuff that I felt that I'd lost in life. You know, I was never actually on fire, but I was trapped in a garage and had to like, you know, fight my way out and stuff and manage, managed to do that. My mum was in the front of the, the ambulance. My dad was still in the UK and had to fly over. Um, I died like twice on the way that they stopped to, um, to they told my mum they were just changing drips and stuff but really I was flatlining in the back of the ambulance you know I was in a coma when I first got there then I brought out the coma then it was written across my file in massive red writing allergic to penicillin someone didn't read it they administered penicillin on me I nearly died again so they had to put me back into a coma for another seven or ten days no not that first day that first day 
hands down was the hardest day of my entire life. So forget all the massive operations and this and that and you know the actual day happened so that that day was yeah the hardest day you know this 30 year journey of me kind of not running away from you know the 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 accident that happened to me at 14 but I was like wow you've had an amazing ride now and it was and it was like I just stopped and paused and if I think of it visually I, I imagine the scene in in Forrest Gump where Tom Hanks is running and he's running and running and running and doesn't really know why he's running and uh He's not really running away from anything. He's just running and he's thinking. And then one day he's in the middle of the desert and he just stops. And he turns around and there's just all these people behind him. And uh, and I stopped, I think, in January this year. And I turned back and just for the first time really kind of looked back with great pride. And, and bloody hell, Mark, you've actually done all right and you've achieved quite a lot. And I stopped. But then I also saw the people behind me, you know, that I've gathered along the way and the incredible network I had. And I was like, okay, yeah, you've you've now got into that place in life where you're not going to do something purposeful because because you feel like you need to justify what's happened to you. I felt like I, over those 30 years, got everything that I needed back from life to finally even up the score with what the universe had thrown him in when I was 14. It's like there's one script, and so you know, I can't I can't have an experience without trying to make it positive. That's just not how my brain works. And so I started writing a blog called Not The Blueprint. And that was all about just not fitting in because I didn't fit in now because it wasn't like I was desperate for children and I couldn't have them, which was definitely one camp. It wasn't like I was desperate for children and I'd had them. That was another camp. Or I never wanted them, never even tried. I didn't fit in that camp either. I just seemed to sort of fall between the cracks of never really wanted it, did it to try and save a marriage, didn't work out and lost everything when we found out we'd lost whatever was there um, but it had taken us two years to get seven weeks pregnant and some people were really dismissive so when I've told people sometimes I'm like oh well, you're only seven weeks you're only seven weeks oh like they were going to feel sorry for me and then now they don't <laughs> and it's like it's still it's enormous to go to go through something like that it's one of the most awful days of my entire life for sure so there was definitely some dark days in that time where I just did not know what life was going to look like now and like, who, who was I without him and without our relationship and you know moving houses and you know changing changing jobs and constantly trying to find the thing that was going to make me feel like I was myself again and that was that was really tough I think it's unrealistic to expect to just be kind of at one level the whole time you know life is life is ups and downs and there are times when I can talk about my journey like now and I can be fine and there's other times where I'll just burst into tears over it it's just there's a lot to keep processing and it's a big thing it's a big thing that happened but I now know the the tools that help me the people that help me you know the things that will bring me joy and bring me happiness and I just really believe that we're here for a good time not a long time and so you have to do whatever you've got to do to try and make the time that you do have as precious as possible that was really important the fact that we do have a mix of ages like we're predominantly between 35 and 50 I'd say but we do have people either side and I love that as well I just I love people and their stories and I think we can all learn from each other I just felt that it was the right thing to do and so I started it and then I've learned and I keep learning and I keep trying and I keep changing things and I'm not I'm not afraid because you know the worst thing that could have ever happened has already happened you know a lot like losing my dad going through the, the miscarriage and the divorce you know it's quite hard to top those things and so I feel slightly invincible in that regard because I know that I'm always going to be highly employable I know that I'm a good person and I know that I'm only trying to do a good thing get it like you know it's human to go through that and 
I think that's the other thing I always want to really promote. Of, we're so good at trying to sort of paper over human human emotions, but it's normal to it's normal to fail. It's normal to be scared. It's normal to be vulnerable. It's normal for, that everything doesn't go right every time. They're normal things, and we shouldn't be afraid to talk about them. You tell your kids, you know, you can have you can have anything, yeah. But the one thing you can't have is everything. So you have to realize at some point that sometimes it is enough and understand what is enough because if you're constantly striving then you're never going to be happy um, you're never going to find that contentment that that ultimately people are searching for maybe you're not content with the choices you've made maybe you've breached your moral code in order to get there and you know if you're living with I think there's a phrase I learned recently cognitive dissonance where your actions uh, you know, kind of don't portray the, the, the morals that you've got, then, you know, you're, you're sort of destined to live a, a life that's not as fulfilled as maybe it, it could have been, um, which is a real shame. And it's, it's really common because, let's be honest, when do you seek out um, counselling? When do you seek out um, a, a life coach? You seek these things out when you aren't doing well, when you're in a bad place. But actually what we need is great people around us from a really early age to start to kind of just check in with us and say, right, how, how are things? How are you progressing? Because we all need that, that little bit of a steer from time to time. You know, in answer to the question, what did I sacrifice? Well, I sacrificed things that were around my personal life, really, uh, whether that was my physical health, my mental health, um, the health and well-being of my, my family and my relationships. You know, we set the business up, as I said, in 2003, started trading in 2004, and I had my first really poor mental health experience in 2005 but I didn't listen to to my body I didn't listen to my brain that was that was sort of crying out for help um, and ironically it was the it was the pause that we all got forced upon us by Covid um, and that coincided with effectively a, a, a third uh, dip in, in my mental health um, where you know, I had a, a moment, just a completely different way of looking at this, which was, look, this is, this is ridiculous, you know, because it coincided with just having effectively realised all my dreams in terms of my success or, you know, whether that be financial or otherwise. Um, this, is, this can't be right. <laughs> this can't be right. Something needs to change. And so, and so yeah, that's, that's really what sort of triggered the last couple of years of self-reflection. And, um, yeah, I'm in a... I'm in a very different place nowadays and I always think there's like the three P's you've got your people your profit of course and the processors and it's amazing I ask people what P's the most important and they're all important but I'm like actually it's people first my best friend he died so I lost my best friend and I guess it goes back to obviously the heartache that gives and I think when that happened I promised to myself like you've got to just got to see things positively because you know being a youngster it didn't hit me straight away it hit me further on down the line um to lose to lose rust and it was a case of it, it kind of ignited the flame to be like no life is short we've got to be able to really like see the positive where we can when we um, started itty bitty actually that's, that's pretty huge where we started that where I left my previous position in the job, so I had zero income. And unfortunately, at the same time, Kate, she was made redundant. So literally, there's zero income with a family to look after. 
because of where we was in a position whereby no income, no jobs, we had to make this work. And I call it the wall. And that feeling of anxiety and worry is the wall. And it's, you know, it was awful because how are we going to pay for the mortgage? How are we going to pay for the car? How are we going to pay for the family? How are we going to pay for food? Literally starting a business and speaking to so many businesses and the stats that fell after the first year is incredible. And 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 that's what I call the wall. That feeling like makes me feel sick. I may not show it, but it makes me feel sick. And I want to be as far as away from that wall as possible. The biggest take I tell people is that what anyone wants to start a business is a case of the best time is probably like yesterday. The next best time is right now. It's just to do it. Just do it and don't just don't don't let your brain take over. Just do it. He was going to bring us up the right way and, and give us great ethos and, and respect for other people and what have you and show us what a family had that. We've had challenges where we thought, how are we going to get over this? But that's where the family's strong. That's where we're at our best. That's when we come. You don't, the three of you don't need to be dealing with the same issue, the same problem. Mm. You know, like quite often, like Chris, Chris was a count. So like, there's, I mean, there's, as you said, there's babies coming in and stuff like that. I, I never really dealt with that bit uh, because they were dealing with it. Mm. So they didn't need me standing there looking in. What they needed me to do was be at the cold place. Earning. Earning. Yeah. And, that, and that's what I've done. But what we never done, we never buried our heads in the sand. No. So instead of them bringing the war to us, we took it to them. Yeah. And they respected that, I'll be honest with you. You'd have to be a false them yeah. to, get, to get anything past. Yeah. And to be honest, we've become a little bit selective because we really want to work with people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the, a lot of our client base, I, I would go out and the fact that you've still got the business and you can go to sleep at night and know that you've done a, a pretty good job, I think that's how you measure it. Mm. That is a pivotal moment, I think, for, for everyone, honestly. Um, for us, we've just had our biggest ever year. Um, 2019 festival we've had something like 600 just over 600,000 people attending the fringe we had just over a thousand events um, you know somewhere around five and a half thousand performances 180 venues um, and 2020 was looking amazing I mean we were had sold over a hundred thousand pounds worth of tickets uh, we were three weeks out from the from the venue builds um, and then everything stopped and then when Boris came on saying that's it it's the 18th of March or something uh, we were it was being dropped we were dropped off a cliff really we were really uh, staring down the barrel of the gun it was about 350,000 uh, pounds we had to find um, I remember the first time going out to see a show after what was six months of, of lockdowns and everything closed I had tears in my eyes just to think I'm sitting here in a theatre watching live performance and in the end Brighton Fringe is a platform for people to take part in the arts and bands 
Nothing can really replace the transient joy that you experience of sitting down or standing up, a beer in your hand or not, um, and watching the lights go up and teetering on a knife edge. Really, it really is. It could be the last ever fringe. I've worked in kitchens where there has been abuse, there has been, you know, banter, borderline bullying. Um, but it, uh, it, the industry's worked very, very hard in the last couple of years to change that, and it is changing and it's getting better. Well, I think it all comes down to passion. I think if you enjoy what you do, mm. then actually when you work, it doesn't feel like work. So you don't mind putting in the hours if you actually love what you're doing. Burnout is definitely a real thing. You know, that's something the industry needs to be very, very care careful of. And that's why it has got better. Um, you know, burnout was definitely very real in, in hospitality and in business. The realisation of getting that chunk of money, you know, a fair chunk of money over six figures and, and it hit your account and you're like, well, it literally made no difference. I think. As as I think as entrepreneurs, we always have this thing, right, what's next, what's next? You can't always appreciate what what's there. The reality is, mate, we are heading into a massive crisis. You know, the crisis is way bigger than coronavirus, which is childhood obesity. The stats are scary. You know, one in three children now leave primary school over overweight or obese. We spend more on treating Stay obesity on the NHS than we do the police, fire and judicial system combined. Just be true to yourself. Spend time with the people you want to spend time with and, and just smile and learn and always be inquisitive. I left school just before I was 16 with, a, in my head, the school telling me you'll be lucky if you can clear rubbish. But on the other side of the coin, of course, I have my dad who, who just constantly told me you can do what you want and be what you want, and I believe in you, son. You know, a page of words frightens me, a blank page excites me. Over and the 31 years, no exaggeration to say 25 out of 31, I think I'm gonna lose the business. Getting up Monday morning, being a good person, doing your best, losing dad had a, profound effect on me but that was losing that person on my shoulder mm. telling me yeah. you have my permission you can do anything yeah, you want yeah, I was stepping up to the challenge but my body couldn't do it so the, the longest swim I managed to get eight hours into the swim and then my coach pulled me out and said you know you're literally gonna die I mean any athlete would tell you I've got to rest days yeah. I couldn't do it on this because I'd committed to, to doing one Olympic triathlon every week for 52 weeks. We all have 24 hours in a day. If you want to do something, find a way of doing it. So I think my work-life balance is perfect. Mark Twain, best thing, best quote, yeah. Mark Twain quote, I'm an old man and I've suffered many problems, the majority of which never happened. Be the best that you can be, full stop. I think that's it. I think if you, it's not be the best, be the best you can be, and that means how you treat people and how you treat yourself.